0: Father, in Jesus' name, again, we thank you. We thank you for your presence in our service today, Lord God. Now, as we turn our uh, ear to even closer attention to your word today, we ask you that you would speak to us. Lord God, I pray that even for myself, that, uh, Father, that your word would come across with clarity, with accuracy, touching every heart, every mind, Lord God, that is thirsting for more. Lord God, would you work wonders again with your word in this place today. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do you move past failure when you've failed royally? I mean, when you've really messed up big time, how do you get over that obstacle? Because sometimes you can mess up to a degree that it can cause your mind and your heart never to be the same again. In fact, for some people, because they struggle so much with some past failure, that they live this life of uncertainty quite frankly even wondering even if god loves them you know can god ever forgive me again can i go back to doing some things that i was once passionate for is that even possible this is one of the ideas that we're going to express in the series that I'm going to begin today in the book of 1 Peter. I'm going to talk about the struggles of individuals, some that may have messed up, but some that found themselves in such a very difficult place that it's hard for them to move on. It's just hard because all they can see is where they, they have been. And when all you can see is where you have been, it's hard to move forward. So in what way can we move forward when all the pressure is on in a way that God is faithful to us all the way through? How is that possible? So we're going to begin this series on living godly. When the pressure is on, by first talking about failure to a degree. Uh, Would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2? (laughs) Amen. The passage reads as such. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Well, brothers and sisters, it is time to move forward after you have failed. I'll say that one more time. It's time to move forward after you have failed. And I know you're looking at this passage saying to yourself, well, how does he get all that from that? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter had a new perspective on himself. And his perspective on himself was based on the Lord's calling. You see very clearly here it says that the Apostle Peter, that he identifies himself as the writer of this letter. And that is, he calls himself an apostle. And with this identification comes authority, not one of, I'm going to call myself an apostle and be an apostle one day, amen, or I'm going to call myself a bishop and be a bishop one day, amen, even a pastor one day and be a pastor one day, right? Not of that. But Peter identifies himself as an apostle because this is how Jesus Christ has identified him. With this identification came authority given by Christ to do what? None other to go and to make disciples. You know that Matthew 28 19 and 20, you know that passage. But the same Peter who's identifying himself as an apostle, as the sent one of Jesus Christ, uh, the one that's coming out this gate here in First Peter is a far cry from the Peter who denied the Lord when Jesus was taken into custody. Come on. Luke chapter 25 beginning in verse 54. Luke 22, 22, beginning in verse 54. As a matter of fact, let's go down to verse, save a little time, verse 56. Then the servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the lights and looking closely at him, the hymn, by the way, is the apostle Peter said, "This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him." And a little later, someone else saw him and said, Oh, oh wait, wait a minute, you also are one of them' But Peter said, Man, I ain't. I ain't one of them. He says, I am not. And after an interval, of about a half hour, an hour, still another insisted, so another one came to him a third time, insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with them, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, you know how you get, right? Look, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, verse 62. And he went out and wept bitterly. Isn't that interesting that oftentimes we say to ourselves, if Jesus was here with us right now, you know, I wouldn't care what nobody else think. I would fall down and worship. I would defend him. I would do everything I needed to do in order to be and identify myself with Jesus Christ. But here it is. The apostle Peter had an opportunity to stand up for the Jesus he called Lord, not once not once, not twice, but three times," he said, "What? No. I don't know him. Can God ever forgive you I'm turning away. Now this Peter, the very same man who denied Jesus three times, he refers to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is an extremely powerful testimony for the possibility of the Holy Spirit's work in all of our life. We have Peter's testimony as a witness to God's power to change things around for us and for God's glory. Now, I'm not sure whether uh, you are where you are in your faith, and neither am I sure whether you fail the Lord or his church. But what I do know is that the Lord can take your failures and turn them into spiritual successes. Can you say amen? See, but this is important. This is important. Why? Because there are scores of people all over this globe who have great potential and great power for God's mission, but they're not living up to God's expectations. Is this you? Are you living up to God's best for your life? These folks are not operating in their giftings because at one time they failed, and they failed royally. They failed big time. Think about yourself for a moment, and how your shortcomings, our shortcomings, often limit us in our fullest potential. So this news about Peter is important to know, because if he could fail, and fail again, And yet, at the same time, at least afterwards, be a shining example or shining star for God's kingdom. What about you? How often after we have failed do we even uh, consider the possibility of getting back up and being a voice for the sake of God's kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ? You know, I failed, I'm going to leave the church, and I'm never going to any church another day in my life, some say. But God says that there is grace for you. God says that there is mercy for you. Now, you may not return back to your exact ministry as before, but God is telling us today to get back in the race. God says to stop your crying because that's over with. God wants to tell you, ask you the question, what have you done for me lately? Ooh, 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 yeah. So Jesus, he's waiting on you. And he tells us something like he told Peter, do you love me? Remember he asked Peter three times, The end of the Gospel of John. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. In other words, if you love me, get to work in ministry. Get to work doing what I've called you to do. So at this crucial time, we must know whether we have been saved by grace or saved by our own works. Because if you have been saved by your own works, then you are doomed, you are destined to fail. No one was able to make it through their own works as we saw it time and time again in the Old Testament. Which is why we have the new covenant, that we do not live under the old covenant or the covenant of Moses, uh, that we live under the covenant of Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, they were relegated to a cycle of success and failure. At the end of these relentless cycles, it boils down to You know, I I try to make it, then I fail. And I try to make it, and then I fail. And it boils down sometimes to this very fact. We may ask ourselves then, what's the use? What's the use of trying for the Lord anyway? If I keep on failing, then I just give up. I'm just going to live my life uh, uh, fancy, free, and footloose. (laughs) Are you saved by grace? How many people give up after getting trapped in this relentless cycle? This is no joke and may cause you bigger problems than you can even realize. But if our salvation is through grace, then we know it does not depend on us. Can you say amen? I'm so glad my salvation does not depend upon me. I'm so glad it depends upon Jesus Christ, fully upon Christ, fully upon his blood that was shed for our sins. This is the place I want to be because this is the place for confident hope. God's grace is the place for forgiveness but also a place for confession. That's right. When you sin, God calls us to do what? He calls us to confess our sins. Did you sin last week? Confess your sin. Did you sin three days ago? Confess your sin. Did you sin yesterday? Then do what? Confess your sin. Did you sin before you came to church this morning? Hopefully you'll say, no, I didn't. That I was, I was right in the eyes of God before church today. But just in case, if you did sin before you came to church today, then you're supposed to do what? Confess before the Lord. Face it. I know you're not perfect. I've talked to you. But also you've talked to me and you know I'm not perfect either. It is in the depths of imperfection that we find strength to carry on through the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And I know that saying people are imperfect and saying people are failures, that this is not popular today, right? Especially in this day of women empowerment and girl power. No one wants to hear that they are failures, but before the Lord, are you? Your girl power can only get you so far because you need an eternal power to break through the impossible barrier of sin. Neither girl power, woman power, boy power, or man power will get you where you need to go, that you need something higher than you. You need someone more righteous than yourself. We don't need human power. We need the Holy Spirit power to help us to break through. Can you say amen? Amen. So Peter, he obviously understood this, and this is how he could refer to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. One cent from the Lord. This is true even after we have heard in a previous message how Peter one time fell in race relations. The other day I saw a documentary about the play uh, Hamilton. And one of the actors said something that really stuck with me. He said this. He said that we must look at the founding fathers of the United States as deeply flawed human beings. They did some really great work in starting this nation, but yet they were deeply flawed. End quote." He, he went on to say, however, that We must realize that people are very complex, and we must see them on both sides of their personhood. Amen? Because for some people, there is a public side of you, and there is a private side of you. Say it again, there is a public side of you that everybody at church sees. There is a public side of you that uh, some folks see on your job. But then when you get home and you get lazy, you, 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 you're you very neat on your job, but what does your office look like at home? What does your bedroom look like at home, right? What are those thoughts that you have in private? Right in public you are one thing, but in private you are another. So the very thing uh, that uh, we accuse others to be solely flawed, that we ourselves are also flawed. You know the way history have portrayed the founding fathers of the United States in the past was almost of a godlike figure. You, you recall those stories? <laughs> recall those stories of George Washington when he was a kid. George Washington, he was so honest that he cut down the cherry tree. And when his father asked him, "A little Georgie boy, uh, who cut down the cherry tree?" and that George Washington said, "Daddy, I cannot tell a lie. I did." But the same George Washington owned human beings. The same George Washington that was so honest about cutting down a, cher- a cherry tree that he denigrated people by owning them as you would own a car. See? You have to look at the individual for who they are and that people, we are deeply flawed and we need something more than ourselves because God said that there is no one good except God alone. So we can confidently say, uh, Peter, in all the saints that there are sinners saved by grace. Amen? And with that understanding, Peter now knows he has been sent by God. He's confident as an apostle for the the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when you look at yourself and others, how do you see yourself? How do you see others? If you are unworthy, I must agree. But you must also say that you are walking in the grace of God through and in Jesus Christ. So there must come a point in time in which you can clearly see the importance, however, of faithful walking with the Lord as you demonstrate what a true commitment to Christ looks like. What does it look like? What does faithful commitment, a faithful journey, a faithful walk with God look like? Is this you? Have you ever done it before you failed? A lot of times we complain about other people's about uh, other people about being uncommitted and unfaithful. But what about you? What about you and your uh, unfaithfulness to Christ? But eventually Peter was all in, and I mean all in. And I am confident that you will be all in, if you are not already. So Peter he goes on to address the recipients of this letter by referring to them as elect exiles of the dispersion. Saints of God, and if you are a saint of God, you are the elect of God. If you are in Christ, you are the elect because you have been chosen. And some of you may recall of the days uh, uh, when you were in elementary school and uh, your gym teacher would pick two people so I need for you and you to pick two teams. You remember those days? Remember those days that one of the things that you wanted to be either the captain or the picker of folks of the team number one, or let's say you want to be the first one chosen. But one position that most people never, ever, ever wanted to be was what? The last one chosen. Because you knew that if you were the last one chosen, that nobody really, really wanted you, did they? Because they wait. They, you, you may be the only person left, and they're still looking around the corner trying to find somebody else. Boy, I've been there before. I've been there before. And all I could think of was that one day, the gym teacher's going to call me to pick the team, and when I pick the team, I'm going to make sure that that person is last. And sometimes you remember some of the kids pick me, pick me, pick me. Remember that? You guys used to do that? Pick me, pick me, pick me. But in Christ, it's not like this. That people are not chosen uh, in Christ uh, the same way that they're chosen on the child's playground. But you are chosen. How are you chosen then? Does that mean that God has decided a long time ago who he would select? Well, kind of in a way. Your election is sure. Your chosenness is sure only in Christ. Amen? If you are in Christ, you are chosen, you are the elect. Why? Because Christ is the elect. Can you say amen on that? What do you mean by that? Let's, let's first turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And I'm reading now. The passage says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the sp- uh, heavenly places. Even as he chose us, where? In him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Where? In love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. One more time. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, where? In him. One more time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, where? In Christ. You see that? It is in Christ that you are elected. It is in Christ that you are chosen. It is in, in Christ that, that you find your very being. Jesus says in Matthew twenty two fourteen, 14, For many are called, but few are chosen. So God calls the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Right? But it is through the vehicle of Christ. Okay, well, what, what does this chosen, chosen stuff in Christ mean? It simply means this. Let's say that this towel here, it represents. A car, a bus, a bus. And you know that many people, they stand out on the corner, they're waiting on the bus, and uh, some may want to go downtown, some may want to go to the north side, the south side, the west side, the east side, wherever they want to go to, but they know that that bus has already been selected to go to where they're trying to get to. Amen? So if that bus says that uh, I'm going downtown, Are you the one that has been chosen to go downtown? The answer is no. Uh, The bus says downtown. You know that bus is selected to go downtown. But if you get onto the bus and you follow that and you remain on that bus all the way through, where will you end up at? Downtown. So therefore, Jesus is our bus. And because Jesus is our bus, is our vehicle, or because he is chosen, because he is in heaven, if you are in Christ, and Christ is in heaven, he is the one that's chosen, then you yourself, is all. you are also elect, you are also chosen, and you are destined to go where God is. Can you say amen? Us. So even though people are called to salvation, Christ says that only a few are chosen. And again, it would be like they're telling people in the store uh, to fill out a form to receive $100. As a matter of fact, I, I just remembered right now, now this is not on purpose, I just remembered right now, I went to the grocery store the other day, And the store I was going to, they had an 81-year anniversary. And there's a form that you fill out. (laughs) It's it's sitting in my grocery bag right now. A form you fill out that if you fill out that you can, you know, uh, put your name on there, put it in the box. And they draw your name. Then you're going to receive $81, something like that. Right? I saw the form. The lady said, here. I took it. I threw it in the bag. Didn't even think twice about it. Then I was leaving the store. I, I noticed some other people. They were filling theirs out. Right? SO HOW CAN I GET SELECTED TO RECEIVE THE $81? YOU SEE, MY FORM, IT MUST BE IN THE BOX. I DECIDED FOR WHATEVER REASON, WHATEVER WAS ON MY MIND, MAYBE I WAS HUNGRY, RIGHT? Uh, WHATEVER WAS ON MY MIND, I DECIDED NOT TO FILL THE FORM. All I, NO MONEY. DIDN'T HAVE TO PAY ANYTHING. ALL I DID WAS PUT MY NAME ON, uh, on THE SHEET AND PUT THE SHEET IN THE BOX. FOR WHATEVER REASON, I didn't put my name on there, so therefore, is it possible for me to get selected? Because I refused or I rejected the idea of me being in the box. So if you want to give me $81, go ahead and do it just for telling the story. Amen. Amen. God is good. But because we know the experiences of life, Right? The experiences of life can be so demanding that it's important for us to know that we are the elect. Right? Experiences of life are so demanding that if we don't know that we are of the elect, then it can affect our overall spiritual health and confidence. But the journey Peter is about to take us on is important to recognize his special calling and election in the Lord. Why? Because as we know the experience of life, they can become pressure-filled, full of hopelessness, that it may cause us to question the very premise of our own existence. Some may even wonder, why am I here? Why am I here? Lately, there have been uh, plenty of news about people who took their lives Even when it appeared they had it all. Let me consider people that are, I mean, really wealthy, desiring to end their lives. While we may not know the spiritual fate of those involved, what I do know is the existence of spiritual hopelessness in many of those who suffer with this emotional and spiritual destitution is an epidemic. Even as I was preparing this message, literally, that this news popped up in my bar, my desktop, said this, and I quote, suicide rate. United States saw a 25% increase since 1999. The article went on to say, 25 states experience a rise in suicides by more than 30%. This news is staggering and heartbreaking, but a reality in, in a society that does uh, not value the importance of a relationship with Christ. We wonder what happened to our kids when on Sundays, instead of having them in church, we decide to have them on the soccer field. We wonder what happened uh, to our little Johnny that instead of being in Sunday school, uh, that, uh, that we have them uh, playing some practice game down the street somewhere. So knowing who you are in Christ and knowing God loves you, it goes a long way in providing comfort and satisfaction as we live with purpose and meaning. Uh, you see, it is in Christ where we have our meaning. Christ where you have purpose. You want to know who you are? Find Christ. Because we are who God says that we are. I am who God says that I am. He says I'm more than a conqueror, right? Always remember that the Lord wants to be in relationship with you. So place this truth in your heart. And if you don't have that loving relationship with the Lord, then open your heart uh, to receiving him today as you turn to him and turn away from all sin. So as Peter penned these words, there is no doubt he was trying to convey to us and the believers that they are special in the eyes of the Lord. He goes on to say here, right in that passage, to those who are elect exiles, so you are also exiles. You are an exile if you are in Christ. An exile in our context is a foreigner, who lives in a foreigner, uh, foreign or a strange land. Uh, but typically when we think of an exile, we think of a person who has been forced out of their land because of some type of a political or some type of uh, racial issue that was going on. Again, the description says in our passage that they are elect exiles of the dispersion. It appears as if the believers were forced from their homes. Due to their faith, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that maybe later. So even in these troubling times, the Lord He knew what was going on. Look at verse two, verse two. After saying all that, He says, "According to the foreknowledge of God the Father." This is going to be very uncomfortable as we try to wrap our minds around God seemingly. Uh, to allow uh, these uh, circumstances, these exhalations, right, Uh, this being forced out of your home. God knows about it, the foreknowledge of God, but he allows it to happen. Why? How do I make that jump? Because you are elect through the foreknowledge of God, and if you are elect through the foreknowledge of God, he knows that you will be exiled Consider God's plan in all of this. Recall what Jesus told the disciples in the book of Acts. A look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Consider God's plan in this. Many of you know this passage. Jesus said, But you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, That Jesus says that I'm going to give you this powerful message, I'm going to give you this gospel, and then you're going to take it everywhere there are people on this planet. And the apostles, they were obedient, weren't they? They were going all over the place. But yet there were many others who were being saved who were not moving ahead with the gospel. You know how we do, right? Right? When we get a good thing going, we just want to lay right there, don't we, in the groove? Uh, We don't want to move, you know. uh, We got a good breeze going on. Why should I get uncomfortable? Why should I become uncomfortable to get out and to do other stuff uh, for for the Lord when I can just sit right here? So the Lord, he decides to break it up. And look what happened, what the unbelievers did to the believers. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. First we did Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And now we do Acts chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read three verses. And Saul approved of, this, of his execution, execution of Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So what do you think folks were doing when they were hearing that, here comes Saul trying to throw you in jail because you love Jesus Christ? What do you do if if there's a possibility that you may go to jail for the rest of your life all because you said, I love Jesus? Some people stayed. Some people ran. And in the plan of God, God broke up their holy huddle. That all those who were staying together, not doing anything, sitting on their laurels, that God was calling to great ministry all over the world, uh, that God allowed this great persecution to happen because he needed believers to go out and spread the news of the gospel all over the world. Hmm. The irony of it all. That on the one hand, that someone could be persecuted for their faith, but again, Scripture says that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to what? His purpose. Persecution. It may cause most people to scatter. But in another sense, you are exiles while you await the place where your true citizenship will be. So, you may not be scattered today, but you are in exile in the, in the sense that you belong to Christ. Of Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians three twenty. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven, so you are in exile if you are in Christ whether you're persecuted or not, because right now you're not living in the place where you will ultimately live with the Lord. So while you may not feel as if you are being persecuted, you may sometimes get a sense that you are kind of out of place. And this constant being out of place is a feeling that you are not where you will end up at the end of the day. You know there's more. You know there's a better place. That doesn't scare you because you know wherever you are that Jesus will be with you. So being in exile doesn't bother you because your confidence is in the Lord. If your confidence is in the Lord who saves, then you have hope. You have reason and purpose for living. Not just for existing but living. You are not just here I'm not how are you doing? Well, I'm here. You're not just here, but you are here. You're living for the Lord. You're not just looking at the clock wondering how much time you have remaining before you go home. but you take every minute, every moment as a gift from God, as an opportunity to spread the joy of Christ to a world that is dying right before your eyes. Some of us uh, some of us may think, that uh, all churches is going and going into church and having a good time all the time. Amen? I used to have a, uh, a teacher of mine in elementary school. Her name was Mrs. Hamilton. I'll never forget her. Uh, I think she's going on to be with the Lord by now. So I can really say something. I know she's going on to be with the Lord. One time she, I saw her. She was an assistant principal at my elementary school. And she says, she tells me one time, David, did you go to church on Sunday? I said, yeah, she, she told me, I bet I, I, bet you I had a better time at church than what you had. I'm like, what is she talking about? What is this lady talking about having a better day? I was a kid anyway. I'm like, because I never have a good time at church. I just, When I'm at church, I just want to be at home. I don't want to be at church anyway. So sometimes your idea of church is that, oh, I need to get there and I need to run around all the time. Sometimes you hear something you want to run around. Can you say amen? But I also know, folks, I've seen it for myself, uh, some folks who go to church and they run around just for show. Right? they're just putting on an act. Right? So I'm not sure what some folks' idea uh, it is to be a Christian. It's not all about us. Can you say amen? It is about the Lord, but it's also about what God can do through us for others. Can you say amen? God knows the pressure you're under, and he has your back. Again, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for uh, sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. What is God's mind about you and your circumstances? As we pick it up here in verse 2, we see what goes into the mind of God, that it concerns the exiles, the elect exiles. But God, simply knowing about your circumstances, knowing about your struggles, all the time doesn't comfort you. Especially when you're pressured by family, a child, a husband, a wife, a boss at work, a teacher, or you're being pressured about your future. You're uncertain. Yet, this foreknowledge brings us to a place of sanctification in the spirit for the express purpose of obedience to Jesus Christ. It's all about us knowing Christ. It's all about others knowing Christ. How? Before the sprinkling of with his blood. For you, follower of Christ, and the soon-to-be follower of Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter understood this because he had experienced this for himself. But now he has become our strength. You know, Peter, Petros, the rock. Become our strength when the pressure holes of life has been put on us. On those days when you just don't know whether if you're going to make it or not. It's easy to give up. And it's easy just to stop. But there's a breakthrough for you. And this is why the Apostle Peter is trying to convey to us for many millennials past, that there's hope in Jesus Christ. So don't give up because God has your back. He is your strength, and he will hold you all the way through life as life throws a right and the left at you over and over again and tries to knock you out. You have the mark of Christ, so remain obedient to the bitter end because God will richly reward you. So uh, the foundation of our election in exile is sure. Our foundation is sure. Listen. God the Father, he has the foreknowledge that provides its basis for our foundation. The Spirit's congregation, uh, consecration, provides the means of it being carried out. And Jesus' blood offers the purchase Christ. You guys see that? Involved in this foundation is God the Father, God the Son, and also the Holy Spirit. So by knowing this helps us to move past our failures to obedience even when the pressure is on as God's elect exile. God has chosen you. Be strong in the Lord today and allow the Spirit to encourage you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you again that you help us to move past our failures, even as we saw with the Apostle Peter, but yet how we have that foundation built upon the very Trinity, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, how you Provide our strength, even when the pressure is on, Lord. As we live this life as, as exile, sometimes wondering, Lord God, if we can make it from day to day.